Good evening. Thanks for joining us tonight. Um, we're going to launch right into the video, but real quickly, this is probably one of my favorite lessons. <clears throat> I know I have several, but this is one of definitely one of the favorites because this is probably one of the biggest asked questions. Is type of a sort of a timeline type question, but um, we're going to look at each individual trumpet, where we stand on that. Are we in the trumpets? That sort of thing. Where are we if we are in the trumpets? Where do we stand? So we're going to launch right into this fantastic lesson. Um, this is a this is a must watch. So we're going to we'll go, we'll go right into it. Of the book of Revelation, there are three groups of seven found in the book of Revelation. Our lesson today is the seven trumpets of the book of Revelation. There are three groups of seven found in the book of Revelation. Seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven vials. These make up the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation. The seven seals are the long story ending at Armageddon. The seven trumpets are the shorter story also ending at Armageddon. And the seven vials are the real short story ending at Armageddon. Now we know the seven vials do not actually take place until after the mark of the beast is administered. We know this because when the first vial is unleashed, the Bible tells us very clearly that it will be unleashed upon the people that have taken the mark of the beast. So from that, we know that it will all be uh, enacted at the time of the very end. Now, not only are there skeletal structures in the book of Revelation of three sevens, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials, but in addition to that, the book of Revelation has what we call parenthetical chapters. This is sort of like color commentary. While we're telling the main overview, every once in a while there's a chapter thrown in that will tell you, for example, uh, chapter number 12 of Revelation talks about a war in heaven when Satan is cast down and confined to the earth for the final three and one and a half years. Revelation number 13 gives us a view of the one world government and the Antichrist that heads that one world government of the uh, one world religion and the false prophet who will be the leader of that one world religion and also the mark of the beast, the economic system of the end time one world governmental system. So that's when we understand the book of Revelation, that really helps us to understand. If we understand the skeletal structure of the three sevens, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials, and then we also understand other chapters are thrown in in order to give us a fuller understanding of what this is really all about. Now we're focusing today on the seven trumpets. It begins in Revelation chapter number 8, verse number 6. Listen to it. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And when we deal with these seven trumpets, we're not going to start from one through seven because the way God helped me to understand the seven trumpets, he first of all helped me to understand trumpet number three. And I feel like that if that's the way God helped me to understand, that's probably the best way for me to try to help you understand. So let's look at the third trumpet first. It's Revelation chapter 8, verse 10 through 11. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters, and the name of the star is called Wormwood. 
and the third part of the waters became wormwood, and many men died because of the waters. So don't forget wormwood, and don't forget that many men died because of the waters. Now, I'll never forget how this all came to me. What happened was, it was back in 1995, and I was working on the manual for our course called Understanding the End Time. Uh, It was the first edition of that course. And I had heard a rumor that uh, wormwood meant Chernobyl, that the word Chernobyl was the Russian word for wormwood. But when you deal with Bible prophecy, you hear all kinds of theories. And I had learned not just to accept everything that came my way. I mean, I've got 75 antichrists in my filing cabinet right now. I mean, so many people, uh, you know, a lot of people contacted me and said, oh, uh, I know Ronald Reagan is the antichrist because his name is Ronald Wilson Reagan. Ronald has six letters. Wilson has six letters. Reagan has six letters. Therefore, his name is 666, and that's the, the name of the number of the name of the Antichrist. Well, uh, obviously, he was not the Antichrist, but uh, I get all kinds of theories. So when I hear something, uh, a possible explanation of one of the prophecies in the Bible, I listen, but I just don't swallow it hook, line, and sinker because I found out over time that that's not the best thing to do. So I was working on my manual for the first Understanding End Time production, and everything was flowing that day. I was sitting there, I was typing, and everything was really going great. And you know when writers are writing, uh, sometimes it flows and sometimes it doesn't. Well, this particular day it was flowing. My door was shut to my office. I was all alone. I was excited. I was behind on my deadlines, but I was catching up, and so I was really feeling good. And as I was writing, nothing about Wormwood, nothing about Chernobyl, nothing about the third trumpet. It was like something spoke to me. I I thought it was God, actually. It just spoke to me and said, uh, you know that that, uh, rumor you heard about Wormwood being Chernobyl? I want you to check that out. And I remember thinking in my mind, now I'm all by myself in my office. I remember thinking in my mind, uh, wait a minute, I'm busy, I'm doing good, Everything is flowing. I don't want to stop and do that right now. And furthermore, you know, three weeks at the library trying to dig out this piece of information, I just don't have time for it right now. I have to get this manual finished. And it's like, it's like God spoke to me and said, it won't take you any time. Just pick up the phone, call the library. They'll do the research for you. Well, as I thought about this, I, I was really a little bit frustrated to tell you the truth. But since I thought it might be the voice of God, I thought, well, I probably should do this. So I opened the the drawer to my desk. I pulled out the phone book and looked up the number, called the library, asked for the reference librarian. And I said, ma'am, this is Pastor Irvin Baxter. And I've heard a rumor that the Russian word for wormwood is Chernobyl. Is there any way you could check that out for me and let me know if that's true or not? She said, oh, it is true. Because you see, the Russians used uh, wormwood for medicinal purposes. It turned their tongues black, and the Russian word for uh, black is Chernin. And consequently, they begin to call wormwood Chernobyl. And she rattled off the awfulest bunch of information you've ever seen in your life. And so... I was taken aback by this. I was not prepared for her to just answer me off the cuff like that. 
And I said, well, ma'am, I'm going to be writing an article about this. Could I get some uh, documentation, some books, some page numbers? She said, I'll call you back. She called me back 20 minutes later. She had the books. She had the page numbers. And I was really wowed by this time. One reference she had was the Dictionary of the Russian Language. And it had as a definition uh, Chernobylic. And it said a variety of absinthe. Uh, which was in parentheses wormwood with a red, brown, or deep purple stem. There it was in a Russian dictionary, and it referred to wormwood under the heading Chernobylnik. Well, I was I was really impressed. Well, actually, she, she talked to me in probably 10 minutes, and finally it was time to go, and I thanked her very much. I said, but before I let you go, I have to know something. It's not normal that you would have known this off, all off the top of your head. How did you know all this? She said, oh, I'm working on my doctorate in Russian right now, and I've been studying these things. Well, needless to say, I was in awe because I felt like God told me to call the library, that they would do the research for me, and in 30 minutes' time or so, I had the information that I needed. Well, what happened was, from there on, I began to do more research. I found a book called The Truth About Chernobyl, and I read that book. It was written by one of the scientists that was there. It was very interesting. But let's take a look real quick at the actual nuclear power plant of Chernobyl. It's located in the Ukraine, actually. This was when the Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union, and the town where most of the workers lived was a town called Pripyat. There was about 40,000 people that lived there. Now, you're seeing a picture of the power plant before the explosion. And what happened was when, well, let me let's see if I can go through this with you very carefully because it's important. It was on April the 26th of 1986 at 1.26 a.m. in the morning. A Russian scientist was in charge of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant at the time, and he decided to conduct some experiments. In order to do this particular experiment, he had to disable some of the safety features, but he thought it was okay, and so uh, he did. He disabled the safety features, then he gave the command to raise the rods, which allowed the nuclear process to begin. Well, he was watching his meters, but he didn't catch it in time. Within about 30 seconds or so, the uh, power plant began to overheat, the reactor began to overheat. And suddenly there was this powerful explosion that took place. And you're going to actually see a part of the explosion. The first explosion knocked the concrete lid off of the power plant. The concrete lid weighed about 2 million pounds. It knocked it off the power plant. It came down cocked. And then the second explosion drove a nuclear cloud one mile into the air. And leaving the lid cocked, it left the atmosphere open to a full nuclear fire. Well, little did they know at the time that they had just witnessed the worst nuclear disaster in the history of the world. Before it was over with, there would be 10 times as much nuclear radiation released at Chernobyl as was released at the bombing of Hiroshima in World War II. Okay. Well, now, here's what happened next. The workers, they didn't know what was going on. They heard this big explosion. They ran down to the source of the sound. 
two of the workers pulled the door open and found themselves staring full-faced into a nuclear fire. It was so incredibly hot when they opened that door that it thrust them back and they fell to the floor where they knew the coolest air would be and they laid there until the heat somewhat dissipated because now the lid is off of the, uh, the nuclear reactor and all the heat is going up. They were finally able to get up and they made their way back down to the nurse's station. It was about a block they had to walk. By the time they arrived, their skin was hanging off of their arms in ribbons. Both of those uh, technicians died within a very short amount of time. Now that's not all that happened. Immediately because of the level of this emergency, fire trucks came from everywhere. And when the fire trucks came, they fought this fire, many of them not realizing that they were actually signing their own death warrant by being there. They're, they're fighting a full nuclear fire. There were fire trucks there. There were helicopters that came in. And you can see some of the monuments here built to the people who bravely fought that fire, even though many of them died within 30 days or so. And the ones who did survive uh, suffered all kinds of ramifications of their exposure to this high level of radiation. Well, as time went along, all of the equipment was brought in. The fire trucks that were brought in to fight the nuclear fire became so contaminated with radiation that they had to bring uh, bulldozers in and bury these fire trucks. And then the, in the process, the bulldozers absorbed so much radiation that they had to bring in more bulldozers to bury the bulldozers. It was and a horrific thing. And furthermore, they're fighting the fire with helicopters. And you can see some of the helicopters that are still in the area. And they were dumping water onto the, uh, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant in an attempt to put out the fire. And you can see another picture here. Look at this. It's a graveyard of radioactive vehicles. And then at Chernobyl, it became a ghost town. Pripyat was the town of about 40,000 people where most of the workers lived. Well, it's a no man's land today. It has been declared off limits because no one can live there. Everything is contaminated. The vegetation, much of it does not grow there anymore. And to live there would be to live at risk of your own life. Now, the wild animals, they come there, uh, but that's about it. Now, about this time, uh, I was writing an article on this subject, and I went to the library so I could have solitude, get away from my office, and the place I was going to write was behind the video desk. And as I went behind this video desk, uh, I passed the video clerk, and I said to him, just on a lark, do you have any videos about Chernobyl? Because I was still in the learning process. And he said, you know, I think I have one. He brought it to me. It was put out by the humanities. And they had a machine there where I could look at it on the spot. And I was so curious about this because I was writing about it at the time. So I went over there and I pushed in the video and I began to watch. And it's amazing what I saw when I pushed in this video because right on the front came up Chernobyl, the bitter taste of wormwood. Now, this was not put out by a religious organization. It was not put out by a prophecy ministry and yet here they somehow had associated Chernobyl with Wormwood. And the prophecy said that a star by the name of Wormwood was cast into the earth. Now that's not all it said because it had many other things to tell me in this video. The main message of this video was 
that the waters made the Chernobyl nuclear accident so deadly. Here's what happened. Let me see if I can tell you the story. When the nuclear cloud was driven one mile into the air, the winds caught the cloud, and they carried it, first of all, into Sweden, then into Italy, then into Germany, then into uh, Great Britain. And during this time, it rained incessantly. I do not know whether the nuclear explosion had anything to do with the rain or not, but it rained for about four or five days. The result was it brought all of the nuclide cesium-137 down to the earth, and everywhere the rains hit, it created what's called brownouts. There's many places in Europe where nothing will grow for 100 years. Furthermore, the rivers filled up with this nuclide, cesium-137, and anybody that drank this water, they ingested this nuclide. Well, what happens when cesium-137 is ingested, it goes to your bone marrow, and the interesting thing is it has a half-life of 30 years. Now, watch this. The rain came down, filled the waters of Europe, and it was radi radioactive, and everything it touched became radioactive. Uh, there were reindeer being raised for domestic consumption in Europe, about 100,000 of them. All of them had to be killed. And you can even see the workers as they were trying to control this unprecedented disaster. They actually had Geiger counters measuring the level of radioactivity. It goes way beyond the safe zone here. It was an accident that was unprecedented. There's never been anything like it in the history of the world. And so why should we be surprised that it's located in the prophecy of the Bible? Now, cesium-137 has a half-life of about 30 years. And many of the children especially were affected because they ingested this. And one of the things that cesium-137 does, it attacks your thyroid gland. And in the area of Pripyat, in that area around the Ukraine, the thyroid cancer is about 248 times the normal thyroid cancer rate, and many people are still suffering. Altogether, as a result of the Chernobyl nuclear accident of April the 26th of 1986, about 125,000 people have died. Uh, the scientists and the doctors estimate that around 2 million people are infected, and eventually what happens is when cesium-137 lays in your bone marrow, it will eventually cause a person to have cancer. So it's very interesting to see what happens. Okay, so the third trumpet sounded on April the 26th of 1986. This being true, when did the first trumpet sound? When did the second trumpet sound? Because obviously they would be before the third trumpet. And I asked myself that question. Well, let's look now at the sounding of the second trumpet. It's found in Revelation chapter number 8, verse 8 and 9. And the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. And when I went back to study after, I felt like I understood the third trumpet, the Chernobyl nuclear accident. When I went back to study these others, I said, a third part of the ships were destroyed? That's never happened. I would surely know about that. And so I thought, well, maybe I'm off. Maybe I'm misunderstanding something here. However, about a year later, 
I was thinking about everything, and my mind went to World War II. Now, World War II is the greatest disaster the world has ever known. 52 million people died there. And I thought, I wonder how many ships participated in World War II and how many of them were sunk. So I asked my research assistant, Kathy, I said, Kathy, go to the library. See if you can find out how many ships participated in World War II and how many were sunk. She came back about three days later and she laid on my desk the statistics she had dug up and I looked at them and I looked at Kathy and I said, Kathy, I didn't intend for you to cook the books. I want the truth. Well, what she showed me was that there were 105,127 ships that participated in World War Two and 36,387 of them were sunk. Well, I quickly did the calculation. It's about one-third on the money. And I said, Kathy, are you sure? She said, the librarian helped me. This is the way it was. One-third of the ships were destroyed. Well, the rest of the prophecy says that there would be a great mountain burning with fire cast into the sea. I had seen pictures of nuclear explosions and they look like a huge mountain on fire. And I thought, why should it be incredible that the first nuclear bomb dropped on the human race should be in the book of Revelation? And why should I think it's incredible that World War II, the greatest war the world's ever known by far, 52 million dead. And that's when I realized that in this second trumpet prophecy, I was seeing here the nuclear explosion at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and also one-third of the ship's were destroyed, I became quickly convinced that the second trumpet was World War II. My next question then was, okay, well, what's World War I then? So back to the Bible, Revelation 8, verse number 7, and the first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burned up. I thought, okay, if the second trumpet is World War II, the first trumpet, could it be World War I? Because up until the 20th century, we never had a war with one million fatalities. And World War I comes along, they called it the Great War. And there were 8.2 million dead. It was totally unprecedented. So could that possibly be the first trumpet? What does this mean? Hail and fire mingled with blood. And I thought about the new implements of warfare, the bombs, the huge guns. And also it says all green grass was burned up. And I thought I remembered in school studying about a thing called the scorched earth policy. And what happened was most of the battle occurred in World War I between France and Germany. And there was an area in there where the policy was, don't leave anything, burn everything up. That way, if you lose the territory, you leave no resources for the enemy to live off of the ground. So don't leave the crops, don't leave any green thing. And they called it the scorched earth policy. Well, after I studied for a while, I came to the conclusion that the first trumpet was probably World War I. Of course, that's when biological weapons were first used. It was horrendous. Our men and the Allied troops and the German troops all engaging in unprecedented warfare. It was absolutely terrible what they went through as they fought this horrible battle. Uh, so when I looked at the prophecy and looked at what happened in World War I, 
it made sense to me that World War I would be the sounding of the first trumpet. Okay, now let's summarize everything. Now let's look at it. So this is the overview of the first three trumpets. First trumpet, World War I, 8.2 million dead. Prior to this, there had never been one war with one million dead. In 6,000 years of recorded human history, not one war with one million dead. All of a sudden, we have this great war, 8.2 million dead. Then, second trumpet, World War II, 52 million dead, one-third of the ships destroyed, a great mountain burning with fire. Everything seemed to fit. And then, of course, the third trumpet, Chernobyl. This is where God opened my understanding first. I mean, I had always been taught that all the trumpets would exist in a final seven-year period. But by that time, God had changed my mind because I, there's really no proof for that. That's a theory that's embraced, but it's not true. So when I saw this third trumpet, Chernobyl, that happened on April the 26th of 1986, and the word Chernobyl means wormwood. If you were reading a Ukrainian Bible, you would actually read a star by the name of Chernobyl was cast into the earth. I've actually had Ukrainian people come to me since I began to teach this and open their Bibles and say, look, right here it is. It says Chernobyl. Well, that's pretty astounding. So here we have the third trumpet and the Chernobyl accident was the world's worst nuclear accident. Ten times as much radiation released at Chernobyl as was released at any other, uh, by Hiroshima or by Nagasaki. Now, I'm taking a little bit of liberty here again in order to effectively communicate with you because the fifth trumpet helps us to understand the fourth trumpet. So we're going to go to the fifth trumpet first. The account is Revelation 9, verse 1 and 2. It states there, and the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Now, I'll never forget way back in... Uh, 1990, 1991, Saddam Hussein, who was, of course, the president of Iraq, he decided he wanted to invade Kuwait. He wanted to take control of the oil riches of Kuwait. Already, Iraq was very rich in oil. But now then, if he was able to take Kuwait, he would be that much richer because he had dreams of rebuilding Babylon. He actually had launched an effort to rebuild the city of Babylon. He actually had pictures of himself taken. He had a uniform made to look like Nebuchadnezzar way back in the Old Testament in 586 B.C. when he destroyed Jerusalem. Saddam Hussein had dreams of destroying Jerusalem again and getting rid of the nation of Israel. So he actually had a uniform made for himself that looked like Nebuchadnezzar, and he actually stood in a chariot and had his picture taken. So he thought that if he could take control of the oil riches of Kuwait, adding that to what he now controlled, that it would enable him to have power and he could become the premier power of the Middle East. So when he invaded Kuwait in the fall of 1990, when that happened, immediately President George Herbert Walker Bush, our president at the time, 
went to the United Nations, asked for a resolution against uh, Saddam Hussein. The UN passed the resolution and 29 member nations uh, devoted either troops or military supplies to the battle against Saddam Hussein. So the coalition forces, the world community, went against Saddam Hussein and they began to drive him back out of Kuwait. Now, Hussein thought he had a green light from the United States of America to take this action. Now then, he's very angry. So as he knows he's going to be forced out of Kuwait, he cannot stand before the firepower of the United States of America and all of our allies. So he knows he's going to have to leave, but he's not going to go easy. He decides that he will set 700 of the world's richest oil wells ablaze. The oil wells of Kuwait are very productive. And so he decided to set 700 oil wells ablaze, and he did. Now, when they begin to burn, they actually block the sun and the sky for over three months. I want you to see, we have a clip from the video, The Fires of Kuwait. And I actually want you to take a look at some of this footage right now. Watch this. Now, you're looking at pictures in the daytime, but it looks like it's midnight. Notice that the firefighters are there. They brought firefighters from all over the world. The fires were so hot that they actually were, would reach 2,000 degrees, and it was very difficult for the firefighters to fight these fires, and they had to even spray water on their fire trucks continually to keep the metal of the fire trucks from melting. And so for three long months, these fires belched smoke into the atmosphere. I have another shot here for you to see of uh, Kuwait at noontime. This is another picture. I think this appeared in one of the magazines. And you're seeing the sky and the sun was blocked out by reason of the smoke. Now, why is this so important? Because the prophecy says this, and I know of not one more incident in all human history that could fulfill this particular prophecy. The Bible specifically says that the sun and the sky were darkened by reason of the smoke that came out of the bottomless pit. Now, if the oil's coming out of the earth, then maybe that teaches us the bottomless pit is in the middle of the earth. Let's look at the rest of the passage. Revelation 9, verse 3. And there came out of the smoke locust upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power, and the shapes of the locust were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men, and they had hair on, as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle." Okay, what is John seeing here? Remember, this is 2,000 years ago. But he's seeing locusts with breastplates of iron, with faces of men. The sound of their wings was the sound of many chariots or many horses running to battle. What do you think John was seeing? Was he seeing helicopters? Was he seeing jet airplanes. All this is written in symbols. He had never seen a helicopter. He had never seen a jet airplane. Had no clue what they were. But he said, these are locusts. And they got breastplates of iron, but they have the face of men. And the sound of their wings is the sound of many chariots going to battle. Take a look here at what he may have seen in his vision. 
I don't know whether this is what he saw. This is one helicopter and how it appeared in one particular shot. Uh, take a look at these helicopters. You know, when boys or, or, or boys or girls are in the service and they are pilots of helicopters, sometimes they paint up their helicopters to make them interesting. Look at this, mouth of lions. Uh, does this look like locusts to you? I mean, you gotta admit, this look a lot like locust. And take a look at this next shot because here you see uh, helicopters, breastplates of iron, faces of men. It appears to me that that's what John was seeing and he was talking about warfare in the 20th century. Now that's not all the prophecy, however. Let's go a little further. In verse 11, it continues the prophecy and it says, and they had a king over them, these warriors, these, these armies, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. Now, if you look up in a dictionary, it defines both the Hebrew Abaddon as the destroyer and the Greek Apollyon means the destroyer. Some translations of the Bible actually say they had a king over them named the destroyer. Now, way back in 1991, when all this was taking place, I was a subscriber to the German Tribune at the time, and I'll never forget receiving my German Tribune. It was the March 10th of 1991 edition, and I was reading an article about Saddam Hussein and about all that was happening in the Gulf at the time, and the, the reporter called him Saddam, quote, the destroyer Hussein. Oh, I'd already been wondering about these fires and about, um, you know, the possibility of this prophecy. And I knew that Abaddon and Apollyon meant the destroyer. And here they called Saddam, Saddam the destroyer Hussein. Now, I had reached no conclusions at the time, but I was wondering, I'll just confess to you. Okay, well, it's about a little while later, uh, actually quite a bit later, six years later, in 1997, I still was not certain about all this but I was a subscriber to the international edition of the Jerusalem Post at the time. I was scheduled to preach out of town one evening and my wife was going to drive me and as we were getting ready to leave, uh, my Jerusalem Post had just arrived. She said to me, you want to take your post along? You might want to uh, read it on the way. And I said, well, sure, let's do that. So she's driving and I'm sitting there reading the Jerusalem Post and there was a particular story. It was a human interest story uh, back in the middle of the Jerusalem Post and I was reading this story. It was about the last family out of Baghdad, the last Jewish family out of Baghdad. And the Jerusalem Post was doing an interview with this family that had just arrived in Jerusalem. But what I found so interesting was the lady relating the story was telling about how when Saddam's mother was pregnant with Saddam, that she was having a horrible pregnancy. And the Iraqi doctors recommended an abortion. However, she didn't want to get an abortion, so she moved to the section of Baghdad where the finest doctors were available. They were the Jewish doctors. And the Jewish doctors nursed her through her pregnancy with Saddam Hussein. And in the Jerusalem Post, it said when he was born, she decided to name him Saddam because Saddam means destroyer. And he almost destroyed her. I looked at that absolutely stunned. And that was sort of the icing on the cake for me. That's when I decided 
since I found out that the Arabic word for Saddam actually means destroyer. Now, do you understand what I'm saying to you? I'm saying to you, in the Bible, it said a man by the name of destroyer is going to unleash the oil fields, the bottomless pit, and the sun and the air will be darkened by reason of smoke. I don't know. There were a couple of things in the prophecy I didn't understand yet, but there was too much here for me to deny. And that's when I reached the conclusions that actually the fifth trumpet sounded in uh, 1990, 1991. Okay, now we've got to get back to the fourth trumpet. Let's go now to Revelation chapter 8, verse number 12. It states there, And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. Okay, what can this be? Now this is all that's given to us for the fourth trumpet. A third part of the stars, the sun, the moon was smitten, and the sun didn't shine for a third part of the day. The moon did not shine for one third part of the night. Well, I just tell you, I was was, uh, totally stalled on this one. I didn't know what this meant. Now, I did know, however, that there was another prophecy in the Bible given by Jesus Christ himself. This is Matthew chapter 24, verse 22. And it says there, and except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So what do I make of all this? I didn't know the answer. And I had a lot of people when I would teach the third trumpet, and the second trumpet, and the first trumpet, and the fifth trumpet, everybody said, yeah, what about the fourth? And I had to say, I don't know, because I didn't know. Well, my wife uh, is one of my best fans, and also she's one of my biggest critics. Uh, So consequently, uh, she was driving along one day, and she was thinking about the fact that I didn't understand the fourth trumpet, and she wanted me to understand these things to be able to deal with all these issues. And so... Uh, she said to God as she was driving along in the car, uh, she said, uh, God, how are you going to shorten the days? Well, let me back up just a moment. She came home that day and she said, God spoke to me today. I said, he did. Well, I thought she was setting me up because she'd been out shopping that she, God spoke to her to buy a new dress. And so she was maybe just kidding me. Uh, but I saw she was serious. And since we'd been married like 30 years at the time, um, she had never said that to me before. Not in all of our married days. She had never looked at me and said, God spoke to me. So I sobered up and I took it serious. And I said to her, so what did he say? She said, well, I asked him, God, how are you going to shorten the days? And he said, I already have. And she said, I said back to God as I'm driving down the road, well, how, Lord? And he spoke back to her in her mind. I've speeded everything up, but men don't realize it. It's already a done deal. Well, I thought about that for a while, and I started studying some more, and I I thought, well, God, if you're going to shorten the days, are you going to shorten the number of days, which some people think, or are you going to shorten the length of each day? Well, 
I decided he had to shorten the length of each day because if he shortened the number of days, it would mess the Bible up because in Daniel chapter 12, verse 11 and 12, it says, and from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that make a desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. So from the abomination of desolation till the culmination of everything, till the battle of Armageddon is going to be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. And then it says, blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and thirty fifth day. So if God would shorten the number of days, then this scripture would, be, would have to be changed. And the Bible says, thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. So I was convinced from my knowledge of the Bible and from my knowledge of God that he was not going to change the number of days. So the answer obviously was that he must be going to, link, to shorten the length of each day. And really the prophecy of Revelation says that the sun would not shine for one third part of the day. The moon would not shine for one third part of the night. So I thought, okay. Well, then I said to my wife, Judy, I said, but babe, this can't be because if the days are shorter and the clocks are moving faster, men are still able to run the four minute mile. Now, this was my engineering background sitting in here, my mathematical background. And, and I said, you know, if the clocks are moving faster, the mile is still as long as it was, and men can't run any faster. So that means it should be taking them five minutes at least to run a four-minute mile. And she looked at me as only she can, as only a, a woman can. And she said, I can't answer your question, but I still know God spoke to me, as though that settles it. Well, about a week or so later, she and I were in a restaurant, and there was a professor from Richmond, Indiana there that followed a lot of our teachings, and he happened to be at the restaurant, and so uh, Judy went up to him and said, hey, um, she began to tell him about what she felt like God spoke to her, but she said, Irvin says that it won't work because men couldn't run the four-minute mile anymore, and they still are. Well, the professor looked at both of us and said, oh, that's no problem. Uh, don't you understand Einstein's theory of relativity? Uh, whoa, well, sure, I, I read all that for breakfast every morning, right? Well, he said, don't you understand that time and speed are relative one to the other? So when one speeds up, the other speeds up. So I'm, tr I'm standing there trying to absorb all this, and my wife is... Uh, looking like the cat's meow, you know, I told you, here's the college professor, he's backing me up. Well, about a week or so later, I was on the phone with another friend who was a pretty intelligent guy, and I was talking to him about it. He said, oh, that's no problem. I was talking about the four-minute mile again. He said, that's no problem. Don't you understand Einstein's theory of relativity? So what do I do? I'm off to the uh, bookstore, and I buy two or three books on Einstein's theory of relativity. Um, I haven't read them yet, but I'm going to get around to one of these days. But anyway, uh, it certainly, since I was convinced the third trumpet sounded and the fifth trumpet sounded, it seemed like to me that maybe my wife, in fact, was right as much as I hated to admit it. Okay, so when did the fourth trumpet sound? If it did sound, when did it sound? Well, we know the third trumpet sounded in 1986, and we know the fifth trumpet sounded in 1991. So is there any major event? between 1986 and 1991 that could maybe be related to the shortening of the days. Well, back in 1968, 
God allowed me to understand that the Berlin Wall was going to come down, the two Germanys would be reunited. I actually put it in a book that I published in 1986. I stated that the Berlin Wall was coming down, the two Germanys would be reunited, and that would be the beginning of the new world order. Well, uh, that was going to be a, a turning point. As a matter of fact, that's what, that's what prompted me to start End Time Magazine, because I felt like that was really the beginning of the end time. Well, furthermore, 10 years after 1989, Merrill Lynch actually put out a full-page ad in, in USA Today, and the title said, the world is 10 years old today. Congratulations. Happy birthday. And they were actually stating that the new world began when the Berlin Wall fell on November the 9th of 1989. Well, recently I was listening to a speech by Mr. Tony Blair. He has a new foundation called the Tony Blair uh, foundation. It's the uh, combination of faith and globalization. And he said that globalization began with the fall of the Berlin Wall. So it's very much a pivotal event. And I said, well, God, maybe that's when you speeded everything up. And I think that probably is correct. Okay. Well, let's look at the sixth trumpet now. Revelation 9, verse 13. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice saying, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, a day, a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army, the horsemen, were 200,000,000. And I heard the number of them. Okay, this prophecy tells us three things. There's going to be a war that will kill one-third of mankind. That's verse 15. One-third of mankind, that's 2.3 billion people. Big prophecy. And the war is going to start from the Euphrates River. And the Euphrates River is in the Middle East. And the number of the army that will participate, one of the armies will be 200,000,000. That's an army of 200 million. Okay, now let's make sure we understand about this war. It starts from the Euphrates River. There are four angels bound on the great river Euphrates. And when they're loosed, it triggers this war that will kill one-third of mankind. There will be a 200-million-man army involved. Let's take a look real quick at the Euphrates River. Notice here, it starts in Turkey, down through Syria, down all the way through Iraq, emptying out in the Persian Gulf where the border of Iran and Iraq meet together. Now, this is where this war will begin from. And I don't know whether you've noticed or not, but there's a lot of turmoil in the Middle East uh, right now as I speak to you, and it's, it's been that way for a long time and undoubtedly will continue. So the Bible says that this war that kills one-third of mankind is going to start right here in the Middle East. Now, what else do we know? We know it starts from the Euphrates River, and the United States of America has 50,000 troops stationed there right now. Now, we're making this video. Uh, here we are in the middle of uh, 2011. We've got 50,000 troops there right now. You can see the American uh, troops there. The other thing we know about this Euphrates River is that it's a 100% Islamic river. Now, what does that tell us? If the Euphrates River is going to be emanate from there, it's obvious that Islam, with its 1.5, 1.6 billion people, will be involved in this war. So this is a prediction of a war that's going to kill one-third of mankind. Uh, what do we know for sure? We know that China has a population. She could field 200 million soldiers. Islam has a bigger population. They also could field... Uh, 
uh, one third or 200 million soldiers. They could, they have enough population that they could field 200 million soldiers. So will the army of 200 million soldiers be Islam or China? Probably both, because if you're going to kill one third of mankind, uh, you're going to have to kill a lot of people. Uh, so anyway, that's the, the sixth trumpet prophecy of this war that's coming, and it could happen really at any moment. By the time you're watching this DVD, we may be in the middle of it. I don't know for sure. I know for positive, though, this war has to happen before the Great Tribulation begins. So that gives us a little bit of guide of what the Bible says is going to happen. Okay, now to the seventh trumpet. Revelation 11, verse 15 through 18. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. And the time of the dead, the nations were angry, the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, shouldest destroy them that destroy the earth. So what happens under the seventh trumpet? The kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. His wrath is come, rewards given to the saints. This is the second coming of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul taught us about the last trumpet in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 through 53. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means we will not all die. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. There it is. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So what's going to happen is the people who are dead, who have been born again, will be raised from the dead. And when all of us that are still on the earth serving God, we will be changed from mortal to immortality in the twink of an eye, then we, we will be caught up together with the dead who have raised, together we will meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse 16, we have another account of the last trump. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now the most critical thing that we're going to talk about as we close today is the rapture. Romans 8.11 tells us, if you want to be a part of the rapture, it says, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You want to make sure you've received the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost because that's the power that will raise you up in that last day. Okay, we are back. <clears throat> I will say real quick, as part of my um, story or testimony, whatever you want to call it, when I went through, um, I don't want to go back too far, but when I started back into Bible prophecy and um, kind of fulfilling a promise that I made to God, um, probably I would say 2000. 
10 at this point, nine or 2009 or 10, um, I quickly realized that the, the uh, rapture was post-trib if I just went strictly by scripture. <clears throat> and that's what I'm going with. Um, my point to that is, but I had always heard that the trumpets and things of that nature would always happen, would always happen in that final seven-year period. So I didn't get real caught up in, at that time, understanding the trumpets. I could always learn those later, but I wanted to get our timeline down um, first. And I didn't know if anybody else saw it the way I saw it. So I ended up, um, I, in searching for somebody that saw end-time prophecy the way I did, I ran into end-time ministries, and that was when I became familiar with Urban Baxter. And on one of his radio shows, he started talking about being in the middle of the seven trumpets. And I didn't want anybody telling me what to believe. I wanted to go with Scripture. So I stopped listening to everything until I had time to, to see for myself if I thought we were indeed in the middle of the seven trumpets. And I've said all that to say this. My understanding came the exact way Urban's did. I felt like the third trumpet was the easiest to understand, and then you could back it up and go forward from there. Um, the third trumpet was, was by far the easiest for me to understand. Um, I was astounded because I don't remember ever being taught that, that a third of the ships were sunk in World War II. But I remember researching that um, when I was on this project of understanding the trumpets. Having said that, um, we talk a lot on this ministry about the sixth trumpet because there's two things that we're waiting on next. They aren't, they aren't correlated together as far as in Scripture together. They're found in totally different places in Scripture. And it's because of that, we don't know which one's going to happen next. We know for a fact that the sixth trumpet, and he just sort of went over that, the sixth trumpet has got to happen before the final three and one half years, or what's known as the Great Tribulation. It has to, because after you read a pretty long description after the sixth trumpet, and it goes into a couple other things, it immediately starts talking about um, the abomination of desolation and the Antichrist being revealed. So we know that this sixth trumpet has to happen prior to that. The other thing that we are waiting on, if you kind of want to know where we are on the timeline, we go to Daniel 9.27, and we know that this peace agreement, it says, it's talking of the Antichrist, and it says, and he will confirm the covenant with many for a seven-year period, a week of years. So, um, that, will, that peace agreement between the Palestinians and the Israelis will start our That'll put a yardstick in the ground. We know exactly where we are at that point. We have seven years left. Halfway through that, the Antichrist will be revealed and we'll, we'll have the Great Tribulation. Um, so tonight we covered the Sixth Trumpet a little more in depth than, than we have before. And um, the reason it's kind of important right now, it's just ironic that we're going through this. And I'm not saying we're close. I'm just... Anytime something really starts to sound like the sixth trumpet, I always put it out there and everybody, I just want people to be aware. And you can accuse me of being the boy that cried wolf too many times, but I would rather keep an eye on things for somebody and be that watcher on the wall than not to bring it up at all. Um, I, I'm not going to tire of that. 
Um, last week we talked about that we we were currently in the middle of airstrikes on Yemen, which is a Iran-backed Iran country. That we were bombing the Houthis, um, who are heavily backed by Iran. They're basically Iran surrogates. Well, um, it's escalated now. They have um, retaliated. Iran specifically has retaliated. Iraq is now getting involved, which a big part of the Euphrates River runs through Iraq. And I got a message today, um, and I believe this was probably on either Truth or Twitter, but this was sent to me, a, a screenshot, um, breaking, Fox News is confirming, a $32 million U.S. Air Force Reaper drone was shot down in Iraq by allegedly Iran, Iran, Iranian-backed forces. And the message that came to me with it from one of my retired military sources, um, and I know everybody claims to have these sources, and I'm not saying one way or the other, I'm just putting it out there what I was given, was it's an about-face. UN is setting up a clear path for us to declare war on Iran. This is the start of the propaganda. Wait for it. Um, so I'm just going to reiterate again. Keep your eyes peeled. Um, this discussion tonight is pretty critical. I want everybody to, to know what's going on. Um, scripture says, I tell you these, Jesus said this himself, I tell you these things so that when they come to pass you might believe. So if you mention it to your friends and something horrific like this happens or any other prophecy that you say is coming up and it starts happening, your friends will come back to you and say, tell me more, tell me a little bit more. And that can use... Never teach it in fear. In fact, the more you know about it, the more you know what's coming up. I think it's kind of... Um, it gives you a little bit of serenity just knowing, okay, this is going to happen. And these things must come to pass. Um, but you can use it as a soul winning tool as well and say, this, is, this came straight out of the Bible. And then point them to salvation. Do you guys... Have anything lesson or not lesson? No, not really. You good? No. Short discussion tonight. No, I have. Oh, you do. I do. Yeah. Okay. So, why is nine eleven discredited as the sixth trumpet? Um. Well. Because so old, we'll old Baxter brought up that that was what he thought some will purpose. say it's all it all started on 9-11 kind of that shift towards us against the Muslim nations you know it used to be a just from talk I, I didn't travel much when I was a kid but um, people would go to a lot of these Muslim countries and there weren't any issues back in the 70s I mean not like there are today you know you wouldn't feel safe traveling in Iran or um, you know, some of these more Muslim countries, and it wasn't the case back in the day, in a lot of them. 9-11 changed all of that, maybe even a little bit before that, but 9-11 really took a turn, and I'm not 100% convinced that 9-11 didn't start the Sixth Trumpet, but I think it's going to culminate because An hour a day, a month, and a year. There's a specific point in time. Yeah, 9-11. Well, 9-11 didn't mean anything before 9-11. It was just the day after 9-10. I know, but that's what I'm saying is that 
it was it was prophesied a day, you know, a specific date and time. And even though I didn't have any significance prior to that, we everything now it has great significance now. Nine eleven. Nine eleven. So and, um, and I know most of the prophecies of the Bible center around Israel. In this case, it really doesn't. It's more of a worldwide prophecy. But putting the focus back on this nation after 9-11, we lost a lot of liberties. We, sh we changed a gear in this country. Yeah. Things aren't the same after 9-11. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm, like I'm saying said, you may very well be right. He said, loose the four angels bound. In the Great Review phrase. There were four planes that were flown by Islamic terrorists. So, but 9-11 I mean, is not a year. No. And they were out of Saudi Arabia. Islam? No, the, the pirates. <laughs> they were sport. Islam, though. They were Islam. Yeah, and there Pretty are much some much Islamic same. areas along what the Euphrates. It's all, it's all Muslim, huh? What airport were the planes from? They were mostly out of the, down the, of the New York. D.C. area. Or D.C.? D.C., New York area. Yeah. yeah. Um... I'm not saying it didn't, yeah. but we haven't come anywhere near the death that's described in the Bible. I think yeah. there's been a few hundred thousand killed all, if you add it all up, um, probably a, a couple hundred, you know, a few hundred thousand killed. We're talking the culmination of this will be, um, at this point in time, 2.8, 2.9 billion yeah. people. And no, I'm not disagreeing at all yeah. because I think we're still in that. We haven't gotten out of that 9-11, that... That's triggered that all of the stuff that's Correct. come along since then. Correct. Because of that, I remember that shifting everything yeah. to where everything's got very divided. Mm -hmm. So, and that's what I'm saying is like, yeah, that is a good point that 9-11 isn't a year. But I do think some of the significance of what happened on 9-11 some of that could still come to pass. Like, because those four angels were, and they're, they were bound, so they're not good angels, right. were loosed, there could still be something that accumulates that has the specific day and time and from that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not arguing that at all. I don't know, because it says the angels were loosed from the river Euphrates, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So how would those planes be from Euphrates? Because the the people flying them, their origin is from there. But then that would be calling them the angels, wouldn't it? Well, there's it's a demonic entity. It's a demonic entity. Oh yeah, there could be. I mean, the angels themselves are going to have they, to yeah. persuade humans to do their bidding. Um, and I I simply don't know. Uh, the funny thing is that you say that now. I'm looking back, and I. My mind has just—I feel like I've been led. I've t I talked about it right before this Israeli attack back on October seventh. One o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. I just feel like God got me up, and I sat in here in my chair in the dark. I didn't have any lights on at all, and I just honed. It. For some reason, I was felt like I was being drawn to this six trumpet. And the big part of it was this hour, day, month, and year. And I can't say that I've really come to any conclusion on it. I don't think I've gotten any further down down the road on it, on, on just praying over it and thinking on it. And I haven't come to any, any um, 
conclusions, any, even any theories, really. But for some reason, I just feel like there's something there. And this was before that. This was three days, three days before that Israeli attack on the Gaza Strip, off the Gaza Strip. So maybe, I mean, it's we're still we're still in the after effects of 9/11 for sure. So, do you know what caused Baxter to discredit? Because in his old video, he really hones in on 9-11 and goes into... That's where I'm getting all this from, is an old... Watching him in an old video. Had he discredited 9-11? So, apparently he has, according to this... No, I think he was still talking about the fact that at this time, in 2011, we were still in the after effects of 9-11. Right, but when I watched it, it was fresh. It was, fr it had, like, when I watched the DVD, or the, it was a VHS uh -huh. of, of end time Bible study of him doing it, 9-11 was fresh. Uh -huh. It was that. What was he saying then? He was thinking that was potentially the sixth trumpet because of the angels bound in the Euphrates and stuff, he was really leaning towards well, the that. The funny thing about it, and you know... And that's why I was wondering, like, since that video, I haven't really caught up with him until last year when we did the study. And that's why I'm like, his opinion has changed since then a little, compared to the video. Maybe. I didn't see that earlier one. Yeah. But um, I don't think he ever got off of the fact, because he was talking about... He brought up several news articles of the fact, um, even uh, George W. Bush, and this may have been in one of our other lessons. I don't think it was in here tonight. But they talked about World War III started with the attacks of 9-11. Um, that's, that's not an uncommon thing to hear uh, in reference to the 9-11 attack. Which also, I don't even know where this lands, but I don't think 9-11 was particularly was particularly the way it's been presented to me. So because of that, is that really synonymous? I mean like you well, know but if you notice one thing I was thinking of when I was watching this video just a little bit ago like, watching this did the four guys, planes really did they do what they say they did? The one thing I noticed about all of the trumpets to date, um, except for the except for the fourth trumpet, the speeding up of time, which is a God thing, every other one is a man-made trumpet. So I don't necessarily think it matters whether there were whether the planes actually did it, whether it was planes plus explosives. You know, any of that's still possible. If the culmination of it is a third of the human race is killed. Um, it, it may very well have been, even though it, our own government may have been involved in it, I don't think it changes the fact that um, because they used that. So I started to say this a while ago. The pilots came out of Saudi Arabia. They were trained in Afghanistan. And what was the country that we really ended up focusing on the heaviest? We, did, we went to Afghanistan. But the country that George Bush said we had to go in and de defeat was Iraq, which had nothing to do with it. He said, well, they got, they've got chemical and biological weapons. Well, they didn't. 
and we still overthrew the ruler and hung him. And I'm not trying to paint Saddam Hussein as a good, nothing like that. Nothing about 9-11. If you, if you want to stick with truth, 9-11 has nothing to do with truth. It was all... Yeah. None of it any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm getting ready to get kicked off YouTube here in about five minutes. Um, but go ahead on the 9-11 thing. No, I mean, that was pretty much what I was just wanting to... Typically, I try to stick, especially on the discussion part of these videos, on the after discussion, I try to keep in the back of my mind that we're a prophecy channel. And I guess you, you could loosely tie this to prophecy because I'm still waiting for this turnaround point where this nation is going to turn into the nation that we see in, in, in uh, Revelation 12:14. this nation that backs Israel against the face of the serpent, this anti-UN nation that, uh, leadership that we'll have in this nation. Well, since the last time we've talked, we've had the Iowa caucus. Trump won 98 of the 99 counties. Just a landslide, the biggest... Over 50, what, over 50%? Yeah, the biggest upset in history in, in Iowa. Which is how it used to be done. Well, but nobody's ever won like this. It's, but it's always, the Iowa caucus has always been this way. How now, much did Biden get? No, no, no. This was all Republican side. They're trying to narrow it down to who the Republican candidate's going to be against Biden. And um, if you kind of look at this as a chess game, I think Ron DeSantis is probably playing a role, and he's probably deflecting a purposefully votes away from Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is what the establishment, um, that's the, what they've narrowed down to, the one that's gotten some traction, that's the one the establishment has said we want her as, as the Republican candidate. And so just to kind of steal votes from her, I think that's DeSantis's role to play. I don't think DeSantis will drop out until he's done his job, which may very well be the causing of her to back out. She'll drop her race, and then DeSantis will drop out. DeSantis will point to Trump and say, you know, I'm, I'm supporting him. I don't know what Nikki Haley will say when she drops out, but she is definitely the establishment's pick. You know, no matter who we've elected in the last 40, 50 years, Republican or Democrat, they've all been big one-world globalist. They have, they've had that agenda. Over 50% of every one of our presidents, except for Trump, all of, over half their cabinet members have come from um, the Council on Foreign Relations. So they're huge globalists. And, and I just think we've been suckered all these years thinking, good, we got a Republican in office, when the entire time the establishment has been heads, heads they win and tails you lose. You know, we lose. Heads they win, tails we lose. And... They've just been simply selecting people for the last 40 years as to who's going to be in office. And you only think your vote counts. Well, Trump's been shaking things up. They will do anything in the world not to let Trump get back in the White House. Well, I think now we're going to see a shift in gears. Um, Trump won the Iowa caucus bigger than anybody has ever won the Iowa caucus. He's got a commanding lead in New Hampshire. Nikki Haley says it's now down to a two-man race, her and Trump, although DeSantis got more votes than she did. 
I'm not sure how she claims that. But um, you know, with these indictments and everything, I fully expect them to at least get a conviction or two out of these, just because they have to. They've got they've got the right judges in place that will do their bidding. Um, so here's what I look for. Once the establishment, and I think they're they're coming down to that now, you're going to see a shift. Once they realize there's nothing they can do to stop Trump from being the nominee, now they have to shift their focus on how to steal the election. This is where I get banned off YouTube. They're either going to take us to war, and I just read you a post about that. They've been setting this stage for the last several months. I think they would like to have done something with Ukraine and Russia, but Ukraine just couldn't hold out long enough to, to get to this part of the finish line that they wanted to get to. <clears throat> so now it's, um, we're in a tit for tat with Iran, which is weird because it wasn't too long ago, Joe Biden just sent, what, $6 billion over to them and released another 10. Oh, okay, and then sent another hunk of trunk. Uh, the Hooties, he took off the terror watch list, uh, took them off the terror list the day he went in office, and now he's had to put them back on and say, hey, well, I guess Trump was right. He didn't say that, of course, but he had to put them back on the terror terrorist list. So he pretty much paid Iran to have a war with us. So we gave them the money. But, but if you understand how all this whole thing works, they win and they win because if we go to war with Iran, all this money gets dumped in. All the, the military... Um, establishment, they get all this money, they have, I have no doubt, connections in Iran that some of this money gets back to them. And who backs Iran? Well, we just gave them $16 billion. Who else backs Iran? China. Which actually is the entirety of the point. Um, the instant we go to war with Iran, China won't put up with it. They will back them. And now, all of a sudden, it just became a war between... Us and China. Us and China. But the interesting other thing, and I brought this up last week, and it just popped in my mind, if you read the description of the sixth trumpet, did he bring it up in this video? I wasn't paying that specific of attention. Did he read the entirety of the sixth trumpet? Yeah, I think so. The heads of the... Can you bring up... The sixth trumpet, just Google sixth trumpet. Yep. Maybe I can get it. I want to say it's going to be in uh, Revelation 9. Look around. Well, the verse I'm wanting is like right around 20. You're seeing how everything goes down in real time. It is in 9. Revelation 9. Okay, and I just happen to have I just happen to have it on my Bible app on right on the page. Starts with verse 13. I want verse 17. And I, I'm going to skip down just a little bit into 17. And the heads of the horses were as heads of lions. Yes, he went into that. And it didn't dawn on me until this past few days that in this in the prophecy part of Scripture, when it starts talking about a beast. Of course, you know, it talks about locusts and stuff. 
But when it starts talking about beast, it's referring to nations a lot of times. Well, that if you put a nation to this passage, it would be Great Britain or the, or the UK, Great Britain. So it would read, and the heads of the horses were as heads of the people of Great Britain. So, and out of their mouths, out of Great Britain's mouth, out of their war arsenal, issued fire, smoke, and brimstone, and by these three was a third part of men killed, the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone. That almost, it makes me wonder, and I'm just putting it out there, but I'm not, I'm not claiming infallibility on it, but is Great Britain going to be heavily involved in this? But, you know, like, how they thought, how he was talking about how it looked like when Daniel was seeing the vision, how it looked like actual locusts and it was a, a war machine. Well, that was John. I'm sorry, John, uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. Or was like, it? Like for the fifth trumpet, like the Saddam Hussein time? Yeah. There's locusts yeah. and breastplates locusts of iron. So... What if this is another one of those war machine analogies? And that's what I'm wondering. I'm, that's why I'm not claiming infa infallibility on it. Yeah, and you were talking about like horsemen. Remember I sent you that article about... You know, I'm not saying that motorcycles specifically are what they're going to have, but what if it's something of that effect? That reminded him of... That a reminded, mind, yeah. you know, so of that, him of that, that. made him think of, yeah. Because... And, and that's exactly why I'm... Because thinking. the origin of that... Came in for war. They used them in war, and Great Britain and Germany were all over mm -hmm. using those. Yeah, but this this war is now or future. So they don't use motorcycles as much now, but it no. could be a war implement. Yeah, that's what I'm sort. saying. Is like maybe whatever comes or whatever they're seeing originates from something of that yeah. nature. You know, it's talking. You know, may and, that, and I think that's probably how I've, you know, I, up until two, three weeks ago, I hadn't caught this piece of passage. And I think that's why, because I've always read over it as just another implement of war type description. And it may be. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying one way or the other. I just find it interesting. And we'll, it's one of those things we'll have to wait to see how it turns out. But it says, for the power is in their mouth and in their tails. So we have to figure out what that reference is. For their tails are like serpents, having heads, and with them they do harm. Mm -hmm. But the rest of mankind were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of their works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither, neither see nor hear or walk. And they did not repent of their murders, or their sorceries, or their sexual immoralities, or their thefts. Can I even just remotely get you to guess who I'm thinking of that's referring to? What doctrinal church that's referring to? I can guess. You're right. Ding, the wood ding, ding, ding. And the, you're talking about the wood and the skull and the... I'm talking about like, yeah... They did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear or walk. What what religion worships statues that can't see, made of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood that can't see 
nor hear nor walk, and they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. I I can think of one big doctrine. Name it. Catholicism. Yeah. And the serpents, the heads of serpents. No, I'm just talking about like that last scripture. Well, wasn't that part of the scripture? Though, something about serpents. So 19 <coughs> is talking about uh, the yeah, angels and who they kill. And then it's saying, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent. And then it's talking about the rest of mankind, that, and it describes that mankind they're speaking of. They worshipped, basically, they didn't repent of their works of their hands, worshipping demons, idols of gold, silver, brass, and all of that. And then it has murders, sorceries, and sexual immoralities, and thefts. Oh. Yeah, that, that's a big highlight. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that could cover a few different religions. Or, and it may not even be talking about necessarily. Yeah, it could just be talking about like a mindset in a person, too. Mm -hmm. You know what came to my mind when you read that that time? The people behind 9 11. Theft and murders and. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the rest of it. But. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that could fall under that. But you're, you're, you are right. I'm just not sure which entity that's referring to or just in general. Yeah. I think it just means men in general did not, you know, did not repent. You know, Scripture talks about the, the vast majority of people in this last age, the end of this age, are going to hell. But yet it also gives us a depiction of in Revelation 7, this depiction of a mighty revival that's going to sweep the, the, all of the land, not the land of, uh, say, of the U.S., the entirety of uh, the earth that we live on. I'm not going to say the globe. But, so both will happen. There will be a tremendous revival. You know, even if we have still six, um, you know, five, six billion people left, you could still have a two billion person revival and it'd be tremendous in number, but the majority were still lost. And so when it's talking about these men did not repent, um, it, it may mean, it, it could go either way. Mm -hmm. It could go in a lot of directions. But I just wanted to, I brought it up last week and I'm just bringing it up again because it's a head scratcher. It's new on my plate, but it, it's not getting a lot of my attention, but this heads of lions, I don't know. But um, I just read you uh, a tweet or an article from a friend of mine that we are definitely pushing Iran. So here's what I'm thinking. Trump is now, I don't see any way they're going to stop Trump, especially once Super Tuesday happens just a little bit down the road. You don't think they'll try to... Assassination may be in the works. Um, MAGA is, a, is bigger than Trump. It doesn't end with Trump. So they would be fooling themselves, although it would be, um, it would be earth-shattering to a lot of people. But um, 
I don't know what to would happen with that scenario. But having said that, I think what they're planning on is Can you go in there and tell them some sort of an attack, either fake or real. They, a lot of the sources that I'm watching are saying they think there's going to be some sort of a fake attack. But I know what the sixth trumpet says. There is going to be a war coming up. And I think we're very, very close to it. Um, they, if a government would pull off a 9-11, if a government would pull off half the things that people realize our government has pulled off around the, around the world, it wouldn't be too much to think that they wouldn't orchestrate something like this. I do believe the powers that be, the, the powers above the powers, orchestrated um, COVID. I believe that was orchestrated. Well, and, you know, X is coming soon. What's coming soon? X. Oh, disease X. And again, that article came out today. I find it ironic. They're talking about, um, they're getting us prepared for it. Uh, and I'd heard this article several months ago. China has developed a mutated form of COVID that has a 100% kill rate. And they, ha they take humanized, they, they take mice and they genetically modify them and they call them humanized mice. So what affects them would affect us for the most part. Well, I heard... And it killed every one of them. I heard on a podcast interview slash whatever today that um, the main, the X mm -hmm. virus is mainly going to have the most impacted effect on those that took, um, yes. The Pokemon? The Pokemon. Mm, interesting. Six. What, what, as soon as you say that, the first thing that comes, that is going, what you just said is going to happen. Now, not necessarily the people that took this Pokemon, because it wasn't the mark of the beast. But there is one coming up. Satan's going to have his wrath for three and a half years. Revelation 12 tells us that. Satan had great, he gets kicked out of heaven and he has great wrath. Okay. God has his wrath in Revelation 16 with the six, the seven vials or seven bowls it's referred to. Very first vial that's poured out. The people that took the mark of the beast. I don't know if it's going to be a vaccine. I don't know if it's going to be a, just specifically to be a mark. You know, this is just to number you sort of a thing. Um, it may very well be a vaccine because the descriptor of what happens to those people, apparently every, every one of them, they're going to get noisome and grievous sores and they're going to wish they were dead from this mark. Mm -hmm. But at that one will be the, actual, the people that took the actual mark of the beast. And there's no, I mean, those people are forever damned. There's no forgiveness of that. There's no coming back from it. You don't think that after the rapture, they won't have a chance? I don't know the answer to that. All I know is scripture says you'll be forever damned, and that that sounds um, something you don't know. Yeah, I mean, is it like a state of feeling? Huh? You know, do you feel like, you know, like I'm forever cursed because I put myself in a position because I took the Or is it eternal damnation? It's eternal damnation. Um, however, I don't know the answer to your question about the ones that live into the thousand-year millennial reign. And there will be several people that... I mean, there will be a pretty good group of people that do. 
I just don't, Scripture doesn't indicate that, and I, it's something I wouldn't take a chance with. But God's wrath is not for us. No, and it's not for us. So? If we don't take the mark of the beast, it doesn't affect us. The majority of the things God's like... God's wrath is for the Jews. Well, there's going to be some stuff that I think will affect us. Like one of them is the heating up of the earth. It's going to be hot. There's going to be a point in time when God says, the sun is going to scorch you. It's going to get hot. One of the, that's one Ryan, of the, it's so far away. There's no way it's It's 93 million miles away. Yeah, it's on the other side of the firmament. Like, how could that even happen? Yeah. How, how does it get through the How firmament? can it get any closer? I know. <laughs> if we're constantly spinning and rotating, like, how is it ever going to catch us? Well, it's because we're chasing the sun. At 466,000 right. miles an hour. So are we going to get closer to the sun? Well, when it when it belches out that heat blast, we're going to go right into it's it. It's a good thing we're so far away, or we were just like... Yeah. Right. We're all over here rolling. I mean, if you life. think about the fact of, like, you know, a terrarium, and when the sun comes in, it, you know, like, he, it heats up, you know, like... If you have a terrarium and the and there's heat contained inside that, I could see where it would get hotter and hotter and hotter. I mean that would make sense, but if the sun's like way out here, it just doesn't make any sense. But so I think in this ship, my opinion, my opinion. Um this is the three things I'm watching for currently. Okay. How this war would get started. They're not going to let... I don't... I think one of their... When they realize they can't cheat enough to overcome the Trump votes, they can't have the election. So either a blackout or an impending war. And that would mean an attack on our country. Okay. That's one. Two, um, Trump is elected. You've got two months there where Biden is still the president. If we go to war, he doesn't necessarily have to relinquish power. They might try that, take us to war in that two-month period. Three. Which would be the beginning of 2025. Late 24, December 24, January 25. Three, and again, there could be many other options. It could be none of these. But the other thing that came to my mind, the third thing was, Trump was about to sue China for all they were worth over the damage that COVID did. I think he estimated it to be ten trillion. China's not going to be too happy with that. But that's really, to me, that's a little more us directly against China versus Iran. Iran being in the middle of it. What? Are we in debt to China? We owe them, last I knew, which has been some time back, we owed them about $7 trillion of our debt. Because $7 trillion was China, to, to China. How much do you owe a country that you just wiped out? I think that's insurance fraud, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, well, so. I also thought about something I remember that I realize now what it's for. That on social media and stuff, before we all vote, for stuff on social media, for like around voting time, they'll do like a pre-vote, like who are you going to be voting for in 2023 or 2024? 
and then you like tell them who you're going to vote for, but it's not your actual vote. Right. But they're collecting the data to see who's going to vote and how badly they need to be cheating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've been sending. So somebody that I visit on a weekly basis got a pamphlet in the mail asking to basically do the same thing. You know, like, who, who are you leaning towards? Isn't it supposed General to be? Is it just general? So, like, isn't that supposed to be confident? What's the whole purpose of a poll in the privacy of, you know, I mean, like, mm-hmm. isn't that supposed to be everybody, like, nobody tells who they're, yeah. Which I never And some people that. probably, on the phone polls, people, I'd say a good number of them hang up on them, but. Um, so, what about all of the stuff that's been happening in the sky lately? So much has been going on in the sky. A lot in Florida. A lot of stuff's been happening in Florida. What's happening in the sky in Florida? In the sky, just different. Project Bluebeam? Yeah, which. What is it? Project Bluebeam, maybe? I don't know, but like the other day somebody videoed. It looked like the moon. But out of the moon came five spheres that dropped down and then they just kind of like took off and dispersed. Is this AI generated? No, no, there's like, and then some of them are just like things shooting straight up or things that look like they're going up and kind of exploding. There's things going on in the sky, but... Apparently aliens in Miami too. They're tr- oh yeah, at the mall right after oh, 2024. I, I did hear... Which, I'll tell you, there was something going on there. Something was Because there on. was so many... They had all of the police all over like, Miami. It was the entire mass. Eight foot what? At the Miami. Was it eight foot, eight, eight foot? Like eight to ten foot tall. They what? had them all over What, what the could mall. it be? They said it. What did they say? I think they said, okay, so it's the police said they used the entire police department and everything all over Miami. Like the entire Miami, like, whatever. If you look at the video the footage, it's. It's insane. Amount. There's video footage of yeah. There's video footage of the police response. Of, it's insane. What about the eight, eight to ten foot people? You really That's can't. That's what they have video footage. They do have video of But they're, they're see-through, and people claim that they were glitching. And the police claim the reason they had to pull all of the PD and shut down the electricity for six blocks and also not have any, any airplanes or anything going like that. They shut down all air traffic in the sky and over Miami. For this period of time, they were dealing with this because it was 50 kids with sticks and fireworks at the mall. Yeah, that's the that's what they're. Well, it wouldn't be fireworks. It would be. No, they claimed it was 50 kids yeah. with sticks and fireworks. That's what well, their that's claim is. I mean, yeah, what, they had that big of a response to take. People are posting videos that were at the mall when all this went down. Like there's videos of people running and screaming from these things, and they're like super tall, like black figures that you can see through, that. Glitch as they walk, and they're just walking. What, what do they call those things where you can put an image? A hologram. Hologram. That's yeah. what I think it is. That goes along with this thing called Project Bluebeam. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a conspiracy, though. But I, I need new ones because all of my other ones have come. So come to this pass. Hey, I'm, I'm gonna cut up. <laughs> this conspiracy is that the government will be trying to tell us that there are aliens rather than Christ. So that they're going to use these aliens to get us to believe that they have the truth about the world and everything like that. And they're going to have the cure to COVID, all these diseases and stuff. And they're going to come down and give us explanations for all the things we question all these years. Could this be a warm-up to them just getting things figured out to where the end result is 
what's described in Revelation 13 of we're going to make an image That's of the beast. You give life to the image. And everybody, well, you'll have to get people over here to worship the image yes, that people going, in Europe will. So they're gonna it's going to have to be they're gonna, something of that nature. They're going to scare people and intimidate them, get them to believe that there's aliens and that these aliens have given us all this knowledge and stuff and they're like way more intelligent than us and they stayed away for this long because they had to because we would have killed ourselves, pretty much wiped out all of humanity on our own had they shown us what they were going to show us now. They're going to tell us all these things. But the aliens, the spaceships, there's like these flashing lights up in the sky now. Yeah, which I think things. is totally it's all. real. People are, I think they're really seeing stuff, but I think it's just, you know. Project Blue Beam is that uh, it's talking about them doing this to us, but what they're using to do it is holograms. Like they're using their own technology to create it, an image that yeah. looks like there's aliens. So we all believe there's aliens. But there's not, and that's why when people started, that's not a common thing people really know about, but when the people started talking about what they seen when they were there, they said these things walked slow and they looked like they were glitching, which is exactly what you'd expect out of a hologram. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, look at the timing and factor in the distraction factor oh, of it. exactly. That's what some people were saying, like, on the videos of the, you know, like the, the one with the moon and all the like different, like people are like, I was reading the comments to see what people were claiming this is to be. And one person put, it's just a distraction. And I'm like, there you go. That's the guy I was looking exactly for. Like, I believe they're really seeing stuff in the sky, but it's not what they're thinking it is. And you can hear them in the videos. They're freaking out. Yeah, they okay. think it's a real Everybody thing. in this room. There's a lot of things we're on the same page on. Are they aliens? No, they're demons. If they're anything, they're demons. If they're anything, they're demons. Now, but I think a lot of what's going on... I'm curious... Okay, so I, I swear to you guys, I've seen a UFO before, but I don't, I don't know... What All a UFO means is it's unidentified. That doesn't mean it's not government-owned or government-sanctioned. Well oh, I 100% believe that from our government... The outer lands, that our government has... Okay, so I believe that the Nephilim, the Nephilim, however you want to say it, I believe that there are people that have stated that they've, they've encountered these beings, and they're super intelligent. They're, they're demonic beings. Well, they've been around for... They've been around for ancient... For and I believe that years. they have the capability and the, the advancement in their mind, or whatever they have, to to come up with stuff that our mind can't comprehend, you know? So very well, like, say, just for instance, Area 51. They have some of the stuff hidden there that we have never, ever even fathomed to see the technology. And they're laughing because they're putting it out, and everybody's like, oh, it's a UFO. Because they can't predictive explain. programming mm -hmm. has programmed us since I was little and War of the Worlds came on. You know, and the UFO flew up to the window and the thing came up and was like a big all-seeing eye, basically, looking in the window at everybody. I about that. You remember that? Mm -hmm. It was an eye, remember? And it goes back to all the <laughs> stuff we watched. Go ahead. Yeah. All-seeing eye. Yeah. So, like, you know, for years and years and years and years, my favorite Martian. Like, all of those, you know, like, everything has went back to some other form of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when something happens that's also 
a faulty explanation they can go to. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have a family member that believes they were kidnapped. I mean, this person had a real experience in his mind where he was kidnapped and put on a UFO. A lot of people have this. Yes. Lots like, of people have like record, like they swear like, they remember and then, being And there. then um, there's another instance where he and his wife were driving and, okay, like, for instance, I forget where they were at, but like, say, say we left Highland and we were driving to um, Kentucky, four hours away in Kentucky, and we got in the car at seven o'clock and then all of a sudden... We're in Kentucky, and it's 6 o'clock. Like, so they're saying something like that happened to them, where they don't remember driving, and then when they got to their location, they were there before the time they left. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't know. That's I'm, not, not, I'm not... This person, yeah, this person 100% believes that they've seen Bigfoot a couple of times. Okay. I know... I mean, so I'm just saying, like, you know, there's this, yeah, so, you know, like, but I'm saying I believe that, I believe that this person experienced something, I believe those people have experienced something, but what they think it was, I don't believe it's what they think it was. What I've seen, I think could totally be something our military could have created 100%, it was like, it was this big, I was driving, it was midnight, I was driving between Highland and Pokey, or I was driving from Pokey to Highland. I was getting towards the middle of the frontage road, like where that bridge is, and I look up in the sky, and the sky is dark, but there's just this bright, like, sunset orange thing in the sky, and it's huge, like, three, two, like, your average two-story house, like, put three of those together in line, and it looked like that big, and it was right in front of me. And it was like this, and then it went out. And it was like big, like two rectangles, but one was smaller on top. And then the closer I got to it, this thing was massive. Like it was like I was right in front of these houses. Like it was huge in front of me. And then it looked like hexagon shapes on it. But then that orange color moved across it. Like it would move across it. Like on Call of Duty, there's like a camouflage that they have on a gun that'll move. It was very similar to that on this thing in the sky and I just like sat there like frozen I didn't know what to do and I was still driving my vehicle somehow but I just like was like stuck like looking at this thing like what am I seeing right now and then it started getting smaller and smaller and then went off to the left and just disappeared. When was, how long ago was that? Probably four years ago. Where? In between Highland and Pokey and my mom when I got home I called my mom to tell her about it and she goes I seen the weirdest thing that I, I go what do you see? She was in Millersburg. And she's like, uh, she's like, I just, I looked to my right, I was leaving work, I looked to my right, and there was this big chunk of orange in the sky. Oh, I think you were, you didn't elaborate on it, but I think you were talking about that in your podcast. I might have. Did you bring that up? Yeah, you did. Because I was like, I think I remember you saying it in your podcast. I don't remember. But, but you didn't elaborate, I wanted to hear more. I was like, I know it was right in front of my face when I was driving, like, that was horrible. (laughs) But if we live in a biblical description with a firmament. I mean, it's got to be something. Yeah. I'd say they definitely could have created that. Because, like, the way the hexagon, like, I don't know, it looked like mechanical. There's an explanation for it. We just may not know what it is. Right. Sign language? Sort of. You wouldn't know. 
Um, any other thoughts, though, on China war, China, Iran, that sort of thing? No. Theories? Have you given much thought? No. Okay. Um, next week. Next week. How many more lessons? Two. There's only two left? What? Well, and then we shift gears. Two more lessons left, uh, 13 and 14. 15 is crucial. I want to see everybody online. I want to see everybody here. Uh, let's go lesson On 15? On 15 for sure. What's that one? I'll announce it on oh. the day of. Oh, okay. Okay. Fantastic. Phenomenal. 15 and 16 are incredible. Okay. Oh, so I think I know what they are. Next week is the second coming. Another crucial lesson. Really, the, this today and the next two, the, the wrapping up of the last three are incredible lessons. Um, you really want, if you want to put all this together and talk to your friends about it, you need to, to, to garner this information. And I will go ahead and sign us off unless there's anything else. Did you have something? No. no okay. That means me. We'll see you all next week. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us just kind of discuss things on a whim. See you next week.